The following is a Talking Buds podcast special presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, the bar is open. Come on in and join the Buds for a Maple Leafs postseason pint. My friend Harry and I would uh, like to buy you guys a round of beers. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Wash it down with one beer, two beers, three beers. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Well, Ryan, if I had told you, let's flash back to episode one of Talking Buds, our very first episode. It was on the eve of the season of opening night. We're discussing the season ahead and what to expect and all our optimism and all whatever. If I had said in the first round of the playoffs, we are going to game seven in Boston, what would you have said? I don't know if I'd be that shocked having 2020 vision and knowing now. I don't like how could you be shocked at this point? Like every time these two teams play in the playoffs, it somehow ends up at TD Garden Arena in the 7th game of the series no matter how it got there, no matter what happened the previous 6 games, it always seems that it just ends up at the TD Garden Arena in Boston, Mass. Maple Leafs, Bruins, sudden death. Wow. Like, oh my. I'm not a huge, like, everything happens for a reason type of guy, but you gotta think, man. Like, they are put in this position for a reason. It was always gonna be this way, Ryan. Yeah, like, it was, it was inevitable. Like, it's, it, they have been put in this position for, I believe, is a reason. And that reason is to get over the hump that you have been, not been able to get over in in a long time. And it's time for them to step up. First of all, welcome to postseason pint number six. Apologies we couldn't get to yesterday after game six, but it was Easter Sunday, folks. And we had family engagements to attend. So... Let's just go over our reaction to the game yesterday. A very, very frustrating outing for the Leafs, who came out like a house on fire, got the first goal from Morgan Riley. Completely went to sleep after that, after a couple bad penalties. Got pretty much dominated for the entire second period. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I thought, the, oh, man. like the first, They came out flying in that first 10 minutes. Like I'm like, this is the game we wanted to see. And then... That penalty just, boo. Tyler Ennis penalty. Yep. Crash. So, they got dominated for the first, like, what? Like, five, eight minutes of the third. Austin Matthews gets the goal. Momentum shifts. And the Leafs are rocking. 34 is rocking. And you're like, all right, we got, like, eight minutes here. We can tie this game up. It's about two and a half minutes, would you say, Ryan? Mike Babcock pulls the goalie. Maple Leafs don't have possession. Brad Marchand scores pretty much instantly. And that 
seals the game for the Boston Bruins. Ryan, were you somebody who was very upset with the goalie pull? Um, I, like I get why people are upset and they have every reason to be upset, but it, it to me it goes back even further than that goalie pole. Like it, it, like you can try to pin it on the goalie pole, the whole thing, but there was no guarantee they were tying that hockey game. I'm more frustrated about what happened earlier in the game and just getting dominated in the second period, letting your good start go to waste, the penalty kill was was awful the power play was even worse than awful it was so bad like that to me if I had to pinpoint one thing out of that hockey game that just drives me insane is the power play which is a recurring theme on this podcast how crap their power play is all right well I want to talk about um let's talk about the personnel first and then we'll get into Mike Babcock, because I've got a few things to say about Mr. Babcock. So, as I said earlier, I thought Matthews and Riley and Freddie Anderson were excellent. And Mitch Marner was not. And John Tavares was okay. I thought Nylander was okay. He had that one point in the third where his controller came unplugged. Puck went right through his skates. Yeah, that was so weird. He just, like, gave up on it. He had, like, a clear-cut pass into the slot. He just kind of, like... I went to sleepy for a second. So what do you think the, the issue is? You brought up the special teams. We're talking about now how Marner has been quiet. Some of the other big dogs haven't produced very much in this series. Austin Matthews has taken himself off that list. He's been fantastic since game three. So what's going on with the special teams? Let's start with the penalty kill because the penalty kill, the power play has been something that's frustrated us all year. The penalty kill has taken a nosedive in in the latter half of the season and especially in this series. What are you seeing with the penalty kill? Well, what I saw yesterday was just losing faceoffs, like just well, constantly... well, you got Zach Hyman out there taking them against Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, which is a hard matchup, but it to me it all started with losing the faceoffs because usually with the Leafs when they have good momentum on their penalty kill, it's just Mitch Marner. Like they're almost creating offense on their penalty kill, like with Marner and Kapanen and Hyman, but it, it's it's hard to watch them and be like, oh, their box needs to be, their penalty kill style needs to change. Like, a lot of it's kind of just, like, you hope the Bruins make a bad pass or you, you cover the right guy. Like, I thought they were okay in their own end, but it just all came down to losing the face-off, and they just couldn't regain possession after losing it. And, man, that first one was kind of fluky, but... The, the second one, it's like, oh, like that's, you could make an argument that Freddie could have had that, but man, I, I just, I, I it, this series to me is over if it's just based on five on five play, the Leafs win. But if you factor in the two, last two Bruins wins, the power play of the Bruins have just been the, the, the difference maker in those two hockey games. And the Leafs power play is abysmal and does nothing. Like it's just that to me, that's that's the biggest difference, and that's why this series is tied. Is the Bruins have showed up on special teams. So you look at the Leafs the other night; they kill off three penalties. That's huge momentum. They end up winning the hockey game. Like it's just, it's been such a swing in some of these games this series. One thing for me about the PK and anyone who's like a numbers person or a technical person is just going to roll their eyes at this analysis I'm about to give but 
I just would like to see them be more aggressive. Like, there's times yesterday where the Bruins are just, like, they're just standing there watching the Bruins. And I know that you want to set up structure and, like, box them out. But, like, like just be, go after them. Be a little more aggressive. Make them make a mistake. And that's one thing that I've noticed on the PK. Everybody looks timid to, like, overcommit and get a position, which I get. But at the same time, it's like you can be a little more aggressive. Like, am I wrong in saying that? I think especially in the neutral zone. Like, if you watch the way the Bruins defend the Leafs penalty kill, like, it's hard for the Leafs to get in the zone on a penalty, like, on when they're on a power play. Like, it seems very difficult to even get a first pass, and even get set up in the Bruins' end. It's a freebie on the Leafs' side when they're on the penalty kill. Oh, here you go. Walk into the offensive zone. Just walk right through our blue line. No problem. Make your passes. Set up. Like, it's just, I agree with you in that sense. Like, they need to be more aggressive. But I know, like yesterday, like, Marcus Johansson is down in the corner, and he, you know he's not doing anything, so Hainsey's kind of, like, leaving him alone, but... Like, he could have took the opportunity to, like, maybe poke the puck away or something. Like, I just, I, I actually agree with that. Like, they, it seems too easy for the Bruins on the power play. And when the Leafs are on a power play, it seems incredibly hard. Way too easy. Way too easy. And I feel like we're going to sound like a broken record talking about the power play. But it's just that they have a difficult time getting set up. Yeah, it's not even the- about that the shots being on the right side that I always harp about. It's about just simply even getting set up in the offensive zone and making like a constant like good good set of passes and getting good chances towards the net like it's nothing they can't even get in the zone no they can't it's 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 rough the special teams have gone in the toilet in this series that's for sure yeah like it's been it's been really in i i like this series like you look back on i don't want to be like oh well what lost like a big difference maker was the fact that their power play couldn't show up and the Bruins power play showed up. Like that's just a frustrating way to lose a hockey series, especially when you have this much skill on your hockey team. All right, let's let's get let's get into this now. So, a huge point of contention yesterday with the fan base was aimed at the head coach for having Patrick Marlowe out on the ice with under 3 minutes to go and you need a goal. And you've got Austin. Part of that is because Babcock's incessant need to match lines, which I have said numerous times on the show, drives me absolutely crazy. And another part of it is because you've got 34, who's been a man possessed the last few games, and Patrick Marlowe is getting ice time in favor of him. You've been very vocal about how you feel about Patrick Marlowe. Nice guy, future Hall of Famer. But he's he's washed, man. He's washed. And he, he doesn't look like he can keep up with the play anymore or contribute anything. But in his defense, and I've said it before, he's not the one putting himself over the boards. And I just, I don't know what to say about Babcock, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, today, I was listening to a lot of sports radio today, and everyone's going on about, like, trying to understand, like, why he's doing it and what he sees. Maybe he's seeing something we're not seeing. And it's like, no, it's 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 pretty simple. He wants the veteran player out there. And even if the veteran player is washed, not contributing, he's still going to put the veteran player out there. And in a situation like yesterday, you're handcuffing your team. You're not giving your team the best chance to win. I'm sorry, you're just not. And I've said it before, Mike Babcock has forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know. But... 
I don't know how you can have any excuse or justification for putting Patrick Marlowe in the continuously putting Patrick Marlowe in these situations when he's not producing. And he deserves every bit of criticism that is being pointed at him today for this. Rob, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Like just flat out unacceptable. Like there's no. Like, I cannot sit here and think of one reason why that man needs to be on the ice. Why that line needs to be on the ice. Like, I, I they weren't horrible, but, like, it's crunch time. Like, you have all the momentum. You All the plays. The ice is tilted. Like, get your guys out there. Even Mitch Mar- Like, why is it? I know Mitch Marner hasn't really popped up too much offensively later, but, like, you have so many better options on your bench, and you're just like you're just. Oh, there's the Bruins third line. Oh, Nylander, Nylander's line. Let's go over the boards. It's like I, I get line matching, but when it comes down to five minutes left or ten minutes left in the third period, and you have all the momentum, like it, it's unacceptable. You have to put your guys out there. All the the guys who score the goals, who make. All the plays who have the ability to tie a hockey game, to score a big goal. Instead, you put a washed-up veteran in there. And all the respect in the world to Patrick Marlowe. But anybody with a it's set of about, eyes and a brain... Ryan, at this point, at this point, Ryan, not to cut you off, but like at this point, it's not about Patrick Marlowe. It's about the head coach putting him out there. Like... It's it's not about like Marlowe's washed. We all know Marlowe's washed. It's about Mike Babcock once again deploying this roster in a way that is not suited to how it, the team is built. And just the stubborn, like I said, incessant need to line match and play veterans. So Patrick Marlowe had 17.06 yesterday, ice time. You couldn't have shaved four minutes off there and given it to Trevor Moore. Or even just shave four minutes. Like, I don't even care about the first and second period minutes. Like, it's just all about the crunch time minutes for me. It's like, you got to roll. I Mike's always going to roll his lines. I get that. But when there's five minutes left, like, you should, you should know. Like, you should have a instinct, a gut feeling, not... Not a formulaic approach to a hockey game where you're desperate and you have all the momentum. Like, you just go with your gut. You go with who you think is going to score. And if he thinks that Patrick Marlowe is the best option out there to score a goal, then he is a complete idiot. Like, because no, everyone with a pair of eyes or with a set of eyes. But I don't think he thinks like that. I don't think he, I think he's always. Worried about turning the puck over and allowing a goal. Well, who cares? That's why at you that never point. see. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing, Ryan. This is what makes him so frustrating. Like you've you've complained on the show before about his refusal to load up a line. Like that's why he won't load up a line because of the defensive liability. And it's like in the regular season, fine. But like when you're in a playoff situation and you've got a chance, you like you had nothing to lose. This is what makes me so frustrated. It's like you, you you're down a goal, okay? Throw caution to the wind and just go for it. If you lose, you've got game seven. And you need a goal. So 
throw caution to the wind, load up the top two lines, send them out there every other shift. Like, why, why are we doing this? And someone made this point today, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. I think the Leafs have been a better road team this year. Part of the reason why. This isn't the total reason why, but part of the reason why they've been a better road team this year is because they don't have last change. Therefore, Babcock can't hard match the way he likes to. Therefore, he he's forced to roll his lines a little more and the team's able to get be in more of a flow. A huge criticism of Game 2 in this series was guys are on and then they're off and then they're on and then they're off and then they're on and then they're off. And here's the thing about Cassidy. He sees that Babcock's doing this and he's messing with him, like moving past or knack around and doing all that. And you don't see Babcock responding appropriately. Like, I don't... I'm not somebody who... First of all, I'm a realist, okay? They're not firing Mike Babcock. It's not happening. Best all... Anyone who wants Babcock fired, best you can hope for is DJ Smith and Jim Hiller are shown the door. Which might happen given the implosion of the special teams in this series. So they're not firing... extremely doubtful. Right, but they're not, they're not firing him, okay? But like I said, someone, and it's got to be Brendan Shanahan, because you know, it's just, the age difference with Dubas is, is a thing. I don't care what anybody says. Has to sit Mike down and go, Mike, this is the way our team is constructed. You love veteran players. How is Trevor Moore supposed to become a veteran player, experienced veteran player, if he's not put in these types of situations. And you don't put, you're putting Patrick Marlowe out there in crunch time minutes. And you're costing your team, you're handcuffing your team. I'm so passionate and fired up about this, man. Like, it's just, like, oh my God. Like, seriously, seriously. He was off the hook too, like, throughout the series like there were yeah there, i heard some quotes of people saying like wow this is this is not on babcock if they lose this series and then one game one decision to put one player out over others has just completely changed it and changed, completely reversed the narrative yeah because it doesn't make sense that's the problem is it's like no logical person who's watched this team and knows how they operate and sees who the stars are and the goal scorers are would put Patrick Marlowe out there. But he does. Yeah, I know. Well, it's just the only, like, if I would just, the only reason to me is either two things. One, he's just blindly loyal and he just loves his veterans. And two, he just saw the third line out there and was like, "We need to get, we need to get the third line out there. We need to get Marlowe out there." Like those I are think, the only two honestly, reasons. Ryan, I think it's a little bit of both. I honestly do. Like I think anyone thinking that he's he's on the bench, like seeing something that we're all seeing, is totally like he's Mike Babcock. He is. We've talked about it a million times. He's got his Mike Babcock book of things to do and rules that he follows, and he's gonna follow that book. And yep. he's going down with the ship, man. Yeah, he is, man. Yep. I I kind of respect him as a human being for that, but as a fan of this hockey team, those kind of decisions, 
it's it it leaves a little bad taste in your mouth and leaves you wondering just why like why i don't get it all right game seven goes tuesday night td garden what's gonna need to happen for the leafs to leave victorious rye Number one, stay out of the Don't, penalty box. Yeah, and 100%. do and if you do take penalties, you got to kill those penalties, which kind of goes without saying. But and another thing, all the big boys got to show up on the score sheet. I know we just talked about ice time and stuff, but they're gonna have enough ice time through three periods to all contribute. And I'm looking at 16, and I'm looking at 91. Because 34 has been everywhere. He's been unbelievable. He's been a beast. He's been an animal. You can count on him on every shift now. I even saw him throw a hit yesterday, and I was like, what? Almost recorded the clip and just kept it just to see it happen. But it, I'm looking at 16 and 91, and they gotta be they got to be good. And you know what? Throw 29 in there, too. 29. Let's see him get a goal. Like, come on, Nylander. Like, it's hard when he plays. Uh, honestly, the 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 trashing Nylander thing is even starting to get a bit old for me. Even though I take a sick pleasure in doing it. Sorry, sorry, Nylander fans. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it, the trashing Nylander thing is starting to get a bit old. But yeah, but you got to score a goal. Yeah, like yeah. You got, you're a skilled he just, hockey dude, he's, player, he's man. He's so I don't get how you can defend his perimeter play to me that's the most like uh, listen i get the zone entries and for a team that struggles to enter the zone sometimes i appreciate the zone entries i i personally think he's better as a center this is my opinion i know everyone wants to see him play with matthews i I, again if the coach would just get over himself and make adjustments here and there you could put him out for a shift here and there with matthews I prefer Nylander at center. I think he looks more engaged as a center. I think he's forced to be more engaged as a center. I I just like him. I, I notice him more when he's playing center. I like him there, okay? But I don't understand how you can defend his perimeter play. Like, he is just... That guy wants no part of the dirty areas. Like, no part. And you see 34, who we've also criticized for that at times this year... Just throw caution to the wind, and he's in there against Char, and he's out front of the net, and he's coming back, and he's doing what he needs to be doing. And it's like, I just don't get how the Nylander disciples can defend the perimeter play. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, well, you're right. There, there's been enough Nylander chat. I think everyone knows by now. But I, I'm especially looking at 91. Like, let's go, buddy. Like, I don't care how many 16 phase- to Ryan. 16 to 16. 16- Sixteen was dominant in game one, and yeah. he had the nice block shots in game three. And outside of that, he's been pretty much a non-factor. Just I, I can't like you know what I forty-seven goals has been thrown in my face for calling this guy out, and I'm okay with that because you know what forty-seven goals is a good year. But you know what one thing John Tavares hasn't done in his career and do, is do anything in the playoffs, and. Never had playoff success. He won one round with the Islanders. And I I just don't... I'm just not very impressed with him this series. I know everyone just kind of lays off on him. 
because he's he's winning faceoffs. But like at some point, like you got you, we're not paying you to win faceoffs, buddy. Like we're not paying you to be decent in your own end. Like you have to score goals. Never mind game seven. Well, game seven's do or die. But say they win this series, like I think they're they think they're going anywhere if he doesn't chip it chip in offensively. Like I, I'm just been really disappointed on his ability to create offense for himself this series. He looks almost like a non-factor in the offensive zone pretty much in every game in this series. And you're right, 16-2, like unbelievable year. He's the catalyst, but like I think Austin Matthews is starting to show why he he does he was projected to make more money than Mitch Marner because Mitch has been good, but dude, like you got these guys got to just I get it. You got a good 200 foot game right now, but you you guys are the scorers and you need to chip in no matter what. And if you're going to win this series, you need to chip in game 7 or else they're not winning. Ryan, I'm going to be I'm going to be devastated if they lose tomorrow night. Or they or I'm you never know. Be... Maybe the fourth line could come out and chip in a couple goals. Like that's the only thing that could save them. But if if the if you don't get any magic from your bottom 6, like 34 can't score all the goals by himself. Like it's got to be that other line. I don't care what your matchup is. I get you're going up against the top hockey line in the league, but you guys are pretty elite hockey players yourself and you should be able to create your own offense against that line and against whatever D pair that's going up against you. Like let's go. Let's it's time for the big time. This is this is what we've all been waiting for. It's what you're paid for. Like you got to yeah. show up. I'm going to be beside myself if they lose tomorrow night or tonight for most of you who are listening to this in the morning i'm gonna be beside myself yeah i'm kind of expecting the worst at this point i yeah i just negative, I, but I, just... I don't want to be a negative guy because listen there's reasons to be positive they've played better than any of us thought they would they've played very well on the road all year they've already won two games in boston they can win Okay, they can win. At the same time, though, like that all means nothing now. You know, like know, everything means nothing. Like it's just now it's you got to erase everything from your mind. Your good games, your bad games, your season, how many goals you had in the regular season, however you played throughout the entire year. All of that does not matter. All that matters is winning one hockey game. Oh, my God. I'm getting nervous right now just talking about it. Oh, I'm going to be just. Oh, like if oh, I just hate TD Garden, man. Like I oh, know, I goal know. horn. Like as soon as I they know. score that first goal, that Bruins goal horn just gets my spine tingling. Like it just oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. <sighs> All right, well, Ryan. Only time will tell, buddy. We got this time tomorrow. Well, it's nine o'clock, so we'll be we'll be going into the third period this time tomorrow. <sighs> All right, let's do uh, let's do. We've been doing a lot of around the leagues. Let's keep that going. I want to get your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets getting eliminated in six games from the St. Louis Blues. Ryan, can I be honest? I think I know we got to talk about the Jets because they're the Canadian team. But to me, this is more about the St. Louis Blues. They're a good hockey team. Yeah, well coached hockey team that finally has a goaltender. Look yep. what happens when you get a goalie. But, like, they they outplayed the Winnipeg Jets in a lot of games. Like, it wasn't just back. Like, they, they the Winnipeg Jets had, like, six shots going into the third period. 
And I know yeah. they made it closer than than what it seemed like, but I, I'm with you. Like the St. Louis Blues are making a statement and they're pretty legit and they could do something because that West is just wide open. It wide is, it is open. Wide open. At this point, Rye, the East is wide open too. Like with Tampa getting knocked off, the East is wide open. The whole thing is wide open. This is why if the Leafs lose, it'll be extra painful. It's like Tampa's gone, Pittsburgh's gone. Listen, I'm not sleeping on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like anyone who thinks that if the Leafs or Bruins, for that matter, is just going to roll the Columbus Blue Jackets, like you got another thing coming, okay? I watched all four of those games, but still. Well, I got got the Caps winning the Cup again, and they're the only team that's left that kind of strikes some fear into you. Well, I feel like they're going to end up going to the second round because it's only fitting that Barry Trotz would face his old team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And honestly, I'm cheering for Caps all the way in that one, 100%. 100%. The Islanders. No. I hate them. No. But go back to the Winnipeg Jets, though. Like, this was, like, if you listen to every radio analyst in this country that covers hockey, like, the Winnipeg Jets were just the be-all, end-all all year. This is the Canadian team that could do it all. Well, I heard an interesting um, point today from Darren Dreger that said the they had they have like a ridiculous amount of uh, UFAs, and it was like a pretty toxic locker room for that reason. Well, you got to think I about yeah. They're, they're talking about like the coaching change too. Like Paul Maurice has been there for a long time, and well, Blake Wheeler came out today and said he'd run through a wall for the guy. Yeah. So yeah, well, so. I, sometimes coaching changes can be a little bit overrated. I I personally like how how they've kept him around throughout the years, no matter the result. But it's not Paul Maurice's fault that Patrick Lyonne takes weeks off. Yeah, it's just I I kind of enjoy the fact that they're not as good as everyone thought they were. Like they're 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 not like I they're a Canadian team. I don't mind. Like I I can't stand the Canucks, the Canadians, the the Senators. Like there's some other teams I can't stand. But what about I, the Oilers? Oh, that's the top of my list. Oh, they're actually they might be at the top of my list. I don't mind the Flames. And I don't mind the Jets. I don't like any other Canadian hockey team. I've kind of enjoyed the fact, though, that Winnipeg isn't as good as everyone thought they were, and they ran into a really good hockey team that like doesn't have a lot of superstars. They have Vladimir Tarasenko, and that's that's really about it for superstars, and they got a bunch of workers on that team, and man, they played their asses off, and they deserve to win that series. All right, Rye, this is the last time we'll be talking on the podcast before game seven. Next time we speak on Talking Buds, we are either going to be overjoyed or deflated and completely heartbroken. So anyone listening to this, let's just all together, we're in this together. This has been a long journey. They can do it. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go, baby. Come on. this You're here for a reason. They got to do it. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We will see you after game seven. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.